about um, how God can redeem the difficult times in our life. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of to tie together the things we've been talking about over the last six or eight weeks as we have been walking through hurricane recovery together and all the things that it means. And next week, um, the Advent season officially starts. And so I want to kind of move into the topics of Advent in December. I'm looking forward to that. Peace, hope, joy, and love. Um, but I wanted to tie some of the things together that we've been talking about and uh, how God takes the hard times in our lives, and if we allow Him to, He can use them for a lot of really neat things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Bad jokes, these sort of are holiday-themed. Like, that, well, what sort of glass would you serve cream of turkey soup in? That would be a goblet. Goblet. <laughs> What's the most popular wine at Christmas? Do I have to eat my Brussels sprouts? <laughs> and my best Urkel voice. I shared this with the other group on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, thanks for night of thanks, everybody that helped and volunteered and came and showed up and brought food and everything. It was great. Um, yeah, well over 300 people at each, setting, uh, each seating for that, so we had a great night. But I was, uh, you know, as I was calling the age groups up to get fed, you know, I was trying to pass time, and I was being silly on the microphone. I almost told them my favorite knock-knock joke, but I decided not, not to because I didn't know if they would get it or not. And then, uh, but people have been asking me, to, you know, because I said I almost told it, and people said, well, why don't you tell us? I said, well, let me think about it, Sunday. But, so it's a knock-knock joke, but it is my favorite. Do you, you guys want it? You want to hear it? Okay, it's a knock-knock joke. All right, so you start. Who's there? Now, some of you I know aren't getting it yet, but just let it sink on you a little bit. Wow, still not getting it, are you? It's not funny if you don't, never mind. <laughs> it's a great joke, I'm sorry. You guys, you, some of you still don't get it, okay. Scripture reading, I'll explain it at the end of the message. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him, we set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Blessed be the word of the Lord. 
So with that passage in mind, I want to talk about uh, how God can redeem the difficult times that we go through. So point number one is this, that hard times can draw me closer to God. Hard times can draw me closer to God. When you experience a difficult situation in your life, you have a choice. You can either go running to God or you can run away from Him. And um, sometimes we might be tempted to move off in the wrong direction because we're upset or whatever, but the place where we find life is always running towards God. And that God can actually use difficult times to draw us even closer to Him. We touched on this for a couple of weeks uh, about the process for that. And I said that, that, you know, what we're supposed to do is really tell God how we feel about the things that we're going through. And that He wants us to be honest. We don't have to hold back. We can tell Him, you know, where we're struggling. We can, we, we're to cry out with Him. I, you know, we talked about crying out with Him in the night, in the watches of the night. Um, I, I said to you, it's okay for us to even argue and complain with God. They can actually be worship. We called that a lament. And we, we did a whole thing about lamenting. And I said, you know, um, complaining to God is not a problem. Complaining about God is because that's sin. But complaining to Him is something that He actually encourages us as, because we see it throughout the Scripture. There's 65 psalms that are laments, people complaining to Him. And, and, and so He wants us to be real and honest with Him because that's the kind of relationship He wants, and He wants to help us through it. And, and um, when we do that, what we learn through the process is we can learn to trust Him even more. Paul said something fascinating in the verses I read to you. In verses 8 through 10 of 2 Corinthians 1, he says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Just, just sort of get a look at that part of the verse, but this happened, and sort of underline it or circle it. Paul's saying this, listen, we were under great pressure. We despaired over life. We were in over our heads. We were ready to give up. We were discouraged. We were defeated. We were tired at looking at piles of debris on the side of the road. We were, we were tired of looking out and seeing a sea of blue tarps all around us. It seemed as though these things would never come to an end. We often questioned why it took so long. We, we weren't sleeping the way that we should, or we were oversleeping, and, and we seemed to be tired all the time. And the things that we had to do seemed to never end. And, and all these things were happening to us. But, but he goes on and he says, but these happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, God doesn't cause these things, but God uses these things. And in the midst of the difficulties of life, He is so present and so real that we learn about Him and can draw closer to Him on the journey. I think sometimes when things are sort of going okay, we, we tend to rely far more on ourselves than on God. And we just kind of do things in our own strength all the time because we, we sort of feel like that's the way we're supposed to do it. I know I shared with you a couple of stories, but... Uh, I want to share them again, but, but just how present God was and, and how this one particular thing impacted me so significantly. So we were several weeks into this journey, and we were um, having volunteers come a lot. You guys know that, that over 3,000 volunteers came, and we, we sent them out to different spots and 
had them help and bless people. And um, I had some people that came to help me do that, project managers. And uh, the one project manager came and he said, listen, all of our chainsaws are no longer working appropriately. All the chains are dull and they're not cutting anything. And so he said, I, I, uh, they told me that there was somebody here who fixed chainsaws. How do I get a hold of him? And I said, well, I know who you're talking about, but uh, he's in the military. He's unavailable for the next couple of weeks. And the guy said, well, what do we do? We're, we're kind of stuck. I said, I, I don't know, but here's what we do now. And I grabbed his hands and we just prayed. And I said, Lord, you know the situation. We need somebody to come and fix these chainsaws, and, and um, we're just counting on you to do it. And, and we said, in Jesus' name, amen. And we, we, I looked at him, and I said, you watch and see, but I think within 30 minutes someone will be here to fix these chainsaws. And he just kind of looked at me and said, oh, all right. Within 30 minutes, it was well under 30 minutes, someone walked through the doors, and that's why oh, I came here to fix your chainsaws. Literally said those things, I'm here to fix chainsaws. So, yeah, so it's cool. But my thinking is, see, it's, I, because I, I said, well, this is what we do now. But see, it's, this should be what we always do, right? It should just be, that's what we do. But instead, we tend to rely on ourselves. And, you know, normally what would we have done? I'd start calling around trying to find somebody that, in my own strength, that's how I would have done it. See, but, but see, he, these things happen, and he uses them so we learn more about him and draw closer to him. That that's what we should do in the midst of any situation. Well, I don't know. Let's go and ask and see what happens. And he did that time after time after time. Sometimes even before I could ask, like uh, I, I told you, you know, a few weeks ago, I was in here minding my own business. I wasn't, but anyway. And uh, that sounds better when I say it like that. And one of the neighbors comes running in all sort of flustered and says, the water is just pouring out of your line out there on the highway. And I was like, oh, great. You know, and, and so I go, I go out there and, and sure enough, you know, spewing into the air is water. And we have a Back fro, back fro. Wow. Back flow preventer. And it's up um, so that, you know, it's, it's visible because you have to be able to turn it on and off or get to it or see it or whatever. And it's about six or eight feet off the road. It's fine where it is. No one should ever hit it. But with all the mess and everything, somebody hit it and, um, and didn't tell us and took off. And water just spewing up. Like, by the time I got out there, it was a small pond around the whole area, and water just going. I mean, it was, a, it was kind of, oh, my goodness. It's a two-inch line. It's a big commercial line. So I'm kind of looking, and I'm not sure what to do, and I, I just I grabbed my phone, and I called the aqueduct, you know, first thing. I said, hey, got a problem here. I got somebody hit our backflow preventer, and there's water spewing up. And um, it was a, 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 the aqueduct's been great. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but I knew the question they asked was, well, whose side is it on? Because... They're responsible to the meter, and we're responsible on the other side. And it was clearly on my side. And so I said, yeah, I know it's on my side, but I can't even get into, because of the new small ocean that's developed here at the end of our property, I can't even get into the shutoff thing, and the thing is spewing up right there, so I can't do it. And she's like, okay, well, we'll try and send somebody there. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I, uh, this is a mess, and I'm trying in my own strength to figure out, who am I going to call now? What am I going to do? And how long is this going to take? And I got people in the church that need, you know, there's volunteers staying here, and I can't not have the water. And, and uh, all of a sudden, there's a young guy next to me, and he's actually one of the volunteers. They'd just come in for lunch or something. And uh, he said, oh, I can turn that off. I said, oh, come on, man. There's this pool of water. You can't even see where it's at. It's over there somewhere. He said, I got it. And he pulls a wrench out, and he goes over there and digs around, and sure enough, whoop, it turns the water off. And he looks at me, and he said, come on, take me to the hardware store. I'm a plumber. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. 
And he was, and he fixed it. And, and, I, and this, so those things happen. But see, the, the thing is, God can use the difficult things that we go through to draw us closer to Him because He's always present, and He's always here, and He's always involved. But, but sometimes when the layers aren't peeled back the way they are right now, we're missing it, and we just keep doing things in our own strength when we can learn that He's with us and for us, and it's pretty cool. So He can use hard times to draw us closer to Him. Secondly, He can use hard times to draw us closer to others. Galatians 6.2, Paul said this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we are going through difficulties, particularly like this, and we sort of share in the fellowship of suffering, if you would, it has a tendency to draw us closer to other people, if we'll allow it to. Uh, and we start seeing them differently, and we start noticing them where maybe we weren't noticing them before, that perhaps in our lives, sometimes people sort of, you know, kind of slip off into the, the, the scenery and the machinery of our lives, and we're not seeing them as people with stories and situations and things that they're going through. And yet, when all of it's peeled back like this, we, we have a tendency to see it. And I hear people telling me all the time, you know, I've met a lot of people here I never knew or were around, and I've made new friends, and I've met my neighbors that I hadn't met, and we're, we're helping one another, and we're getting together where we can, and things are changing. And there's something about these situations that really teach us what love is like because the, the selfish part of it gets pulled off. You know, because the, the, love in, is, is a selfless thing. And people tend to be more selfless at times like these, and so we really learn what love is. And we're having opportunities to meet and connect with people we may never have met or connected with before. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Through it all, as people were coming up, I, I, Alice and I met a, a, a lot of new folks from all over. A lot of them were local, just, uh, you know, maybe from Key West or from around that we hadn't met before. And um, we had people coming to help out who had gotten through the storm pretty well and were trying to bless everybody else as we kind of came through. And so we had conversations and all sorts of things happened. Well, uh, last night at 11.45, I got a text, 11.45 p.m. So I didn't see it till this morning. I am way asleep by 11.45 p.m. Pretty much anytime after 8 o'clock, I'm way asleep. But I had church last night, so I was probably up to like quarter after 9. Church finished at 9, home asleep. So anyway, that's not the issue. Um, so when I got up this morning, just before 4, you see how that works? Okay. Uh, I read my text, and there's a text, and this text is from, from one of these people that I'd met. And, and the text said, it said, listen, I've, I've really been thinking about 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4, and, and I, I want you to explain it to me. Well, I've taught you those verses over and over again. That's the gospel. Those verses contain the gospel, the good news, that Christ died for our sins, defeated death, rose again on the third day. Those are those verses, right? You know the good news. And I, I'm looking at it at four in the morning, and I get the holy goosebumps all over me because what an opportunity. Here's someone. How many? I don't know how often you get these. Could you explain to me, please, the good news? That was the question. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. So, well, I didn't do that. I hopped on my phone, and so it was a lot harder because I got big fingers. But still, I texted back kind of the basics of that verse and said, you know, I, this is a short answer to a, probably the most important question you will ever ask. Please call me so that we can talk more. And texted back, okay, I'll call you sometime later. But that conversation most likely would not have happened had not all these things happened. Right? And, and so it's amazing how God can use those things to draw us closer to others. Third, hard times can 
make me more like Jesus, can make us more like Jesus, can help us to develop the character traits that He wants us to have, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says in this, is this, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What a, what a great list. Nine things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amazing, amazing qualities. So how do we learn them? Well, the fascinating thing about the way the fruit of the Spirit is developed in us is that we actually learn them in difficult situations. Like, um, and, and, off it on, and sort of the opposite situations. Like you learn peace in chaos. You don't learn peace in peace. You learn peace in the midst of everything. You learn His peace in the midst of all things being stirred up. Um, you learn patience when you have to wait for things. That's how you learn the process. That's why I often tell you don't pray for patience because the process is not fun. Uh, just ask God to give you that one. <laughs> That's sort of a gratis thing because it's much kinder that way. But you learn you learn patience having to wait. So it's why I always talk about Winn-Dixie in my stories. Favorably, I've learned a lot of patience waiting in line at Winn-Dixie and watching other people not wait well. I've learned a lot of patience, you know, in the two lanes merging into one with the people who don't know what they're supposed to do because they saw the sign way back when you did and refused to go over at the appropriate time. And now they're trying to get by and sort of cut in front of you even though you've done your best to block off both lanes with your vehicle. <laughs> it used to work a lot better for me when I drove a pickup. The Kia Soul, nobody respects the Kia Soul. I'm not sure why. <laughs> you respect it, but no one else. So some people, they take hard times. Look, hard times can make you bitter, or they can make you better. Hard times can be a, a stumbling block, or they can be a step into something better. And, and so you need to understand that as we go through these things. But the thing that I, I want to make sure you see is that it's a choice. See, you can choose to let difficult times draw you closer to God. You can choose to let them draw you closer to others. You can choose to allow the Holy Spirit to develop His fruit in you, or you can choose not to. And, and yet when you choose to, there's this amazing redemptive value that happens to the difficult times in our lives. And what that is, is fourth, is that God can use my difficult times to encourage other people. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 and 5. Paul said, who comforts, and that word could actually be encouraged, who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the, with the courage, encouragement we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our encouragement overflows. So track with me on this just for a moment. Since we live in a fallen world on a broken planet, we've talked about that, you will experience difficult times throughout the course of your life. My thinking is that, that what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're getting something redemptive out of it, that there's some value to the difficult things that we go through. And one of them, besides these things that I talked about, which is we can draw closer to God and we can draw closer to others and He can make us more like Jesus in the process, is that He can take it another level and use us to actually encourage other people going through difficulties. And, and that's what He wants ultimately to come from all of this, is that we become a people of encouragement to others. To encourage someone means, the, the and part means to put into courage. We're to put courage into other people. 
We're, we're to help them know that they can make it and that God is with them and that God is for them and that real life is found in Him and that He loves them. We're to be those people. If we don't choose to let those things happen, we actually fall into a totally different group of discouragers. And that word dis, rather than the end part where you put something into, the dis means you, the reverse of the word. So we're actually taking courage away from people. An encouraging person is good to be around. You know, they lift you up. And they, their words, their actions, their attitudes, you know, they, they help you. You feel different when you're around them. Discouraging people leave you feeling weak and, and hopeless and fearful. And even as I say it, you're thinking about both types of people, I'm sure. And, and you, you understand the difference. And, and so with that in mind, choose to be an encouraging person to the people around you. Because it's, it's, it's part of the ministry we have. The Holy Spirit. Um, the, the word for encouragement in the Greek, great word. It's a compound word, parakaleo. Uh, para means to come alongside, and kaleo means to call or summon. And so, in effect, to encouragement means to come alongside someone and encourage, you know, bless them, help them through a situation, parakaleo. Well, the word paraclete, same, same thing, is one of the names of the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He comes alongside and He encourages us to move along and He wants us to do the same thing to people around us. And so as we do that, as people of encouragement, there's two verses I want you to remember. I want you to remember them for you and I want you to remember them for others. Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. It's so important that you remember that, especially in the midst of everything seeming to take forever. Nothing is impossible with God. And Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Hang on to those verses. Know them and live them and let them encourage you. And as they encourage you, let that encouragement flow into the world around you because that's what God wants to do with us in this time and season. And that's where I'm going to end it for today. Amen.